What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. This is the pod that's all about mind-body continuum practices. So we're just surfing consciousness however we can. We're your hosts. I'm Tasha Schumann. This is Jeff Warren. Hello. Good to be here. And we're stoked to have you along for the ride today. Jeff, give us a little rundown of who we got. So today we have on a friend of mine. Her name's Therese Jornlin. She's a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher, a breath teacher, a Qigong teacher. She teaches a course called Breath is Medicine. She teaches a course called Women Awake. She has this great TED Talk on womb intelligence. She's been both a great friend to me and a big influence on my practice and thinking about the cyclical nature of my breath, my mind-body. And this was a really great conversation. Therese is very gentle and quiet and chill, and she starts out that way. And then we end up ramping it up into a really interesting exploration of this whole idea of being bipolar, of the, the natural ups and downs within our own cycle, all the ways the breath heals us. I mean, we, it was super far-ranging conversation, and Josh and I couldn't really stop asking questions. What about you, Kat? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Therese is awesome. We went places with the breath that I personally have not gone before. In our guided meditation, we looked at breath kind of like a personification, you know, this guide that's with you for your whole life that you can turn to for insight in your body and your mind process. Um, yeah, and we could have just kept going for like hours and hours, but at some point we did stop. So here it is. Therese, welcome to the Consciousness Explorers Club podcast. Hey, Jeff. So good to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, I guess two things. Can you tell us a little bit about, about the practice you're going to guide, but maybe just even before that, a little bit about you and you know who you are as a teacher, a guide, and and why this practice. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I've been involved in you know holistic health for about thirty years, and the way I describe it is I teach a lot of different wayfinders. The breath being one, I might work one on one with people or teach a class or come into a team of people. But the purpose is to help uh, others really access the uh, powers they have within their own body and to manage their own nervous system and their health. So it, it looks like I do a lot of things, but it's all focused on helping all of us, you know, take up the full presence of our body. By a lot of things, I know you teach Qigong, you teach breath work, you teach something called womb intelligence. So these are some of the wayfinders that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And originally, you know, I have a lot of training in hands-on therapy. So, you know, the body is an expression of energy and it, it's an expression of consciousness. My breath is an expression of, of my mind, which not a lot of people know. So there are all these abilities and wayfinders that I have inside me to help me learn more about myself and how to heal. So I might be working one-on-one, -on -one. I might be teaching the breath as medicine class or the women awake or Qigong. And it very much reflects my own life as a student, <laughs> you know, um, just constantly learning how to be here, you know. I'm curious, as a practitioner of so many different, you know, interweaving styles, what do you call yourself? Like a, a healer of <laughs> things or a... <laughs> yeah. I'm asked this a lot. I'm I'm really not comfortable with the term healer because I think like I uh, I would say I am a guide, I am an activator. Uh, sometimes what I might share, especially as regards the women awake work, I can be an agitator. <laughs> um, like that. And uh, and then some people have called me a a shamama, 
that's good. I like that. Because <laughs> I hold ceremony space too. So tell us about this uh, practice that we're going to do, which is about the breath. Yeah. So this this practice is more a meditation called Meet Your Breath. So it's a, a guided meditation where I'm going to invite you to really try to experience your breath as a being because breath is what enables my being. It inspires your life. It's what makes everything happen. It's the original movement of all movement. So it's not so much a technique we're going to do. It's more kind of a way to cultivate like awe, <laughs> like, oh, wow, here's this quiet thing that is everything. It's got all the teachings inside of it. So what we're going to do is after we get our body settled, which is always a protocol to use in any practice, get settled in the bones, connect with the natural breath, then we'll engage in the practice, which is going to be inviting you to take a deep breath in, slow breath out, and we'll find this rhythm of in, slight floating at the top, out, slight floating at the bottom. And so that's, that's all I'm going to ask you to physically do, but I'm wanting you to receive the visualizations in relationship with that cycling that you're feeling so that it can be an embodied experience. How's that sound? That sounds like I want to do it right now. Okay. <laughs> it sounds so good. Like a stressful day, the best thing to do is just breathe. Yes. Yeah. yeah I love Such it. Such a powerhouse. Okay. So wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to organize the physical body because the physical body is the receptacle. So we're wanting to be sure that you're in it. <laughs> and I'm going to assume you're in a chair. So just wanting you to kind of very gently just shift your body weight. I want you to imagine this is kind of just starting to call the mind or all the monkeys of the mind back home. Just shifting forward and back and starting to feel your sits bone. And then just take some random breaths in and out as you start to feel that settling down into your pelvis. And then just let your awareness literally sink somewhere in the center of your pelvis. Just starting to soften the muscles of the face because we want receptivity, we want softness in the body so that there's inner space for you to be able to listen to what the breath might show you. And then I want you to, from the base of the pelvis, I want you to notice how the spine rises up out of your pelvis like the trunk of a tree. So just feel that strong base of the spine, your middle spine, your neck, top of the head and just gently be aware of some point in space above the head and then relaxing your awareness down to some point in the earth and just notice how the body is suspended between the two. So just double check to see if the eyes are soft, the shoulders. And then go searching for some bodily sign that you are breathing or that the breath is breathing you. So it's going to be a quiet movement in your chest or your belly. 
And then just see if you can coalesce your awareness in that very quiet rocking. And this sensation is what we'll return to at the end. And now just notice how the breath does the work of breathing for you, but it has this incredible ability to also engage with you. You can alter it. So I want you to now begin to take a deep breath in and the rest of the practice, it'll be an exaggerated breath, slow breath out. And then you just start to find your own rhythm. Deep breath in, notice that expanding of the chest, the belly in ease. And just a slow breath out. And now at the top of your next in-breath, I want you to see if you can just slightly pause as if suspended or floating. And then on purpose, begin your out-breath, slow as you can within comfort, and go looking for the bottom. And just pause and float there. So take a couple cycles of breath just to distinguish those four, four parts of the whole flow. In, floating, out, floating at the bottom. And see if you can make it free and full. And then as you're breathing, I want you to connect with this actual movement as the root movement of your whole body. This movement of the breath is what is moving your bones. Feel how this next cycle in, pause, out, pause is altering the rhythm of your heartbeat right now. As you're taking this deep breath in, feel how this cycle inspirits your life, inspires your life. So just deepening your connection with breath as the thing that enables being And then just start to settle into this rhythm, like ocean waves. And as you're feeling the rising of that wave, steady, free, and full, and that floating at the top whenever you get there, feel that falling of the wave, Steady, slow to empty. I want you just to notice how this inner cycle of the breath is connected to the seasons. Feel that in-breath is active and life, spring and summer. Out-breath has that intelligence of letting go, like autumn and winter. So it's kind of like a portal to all the cycles in the body, all the cycles in the earth. 
So see if you can keep this exaggerated four-part breathing going. And notice how the breath is what enables you to create words. So it gives life and sound to your words. As you're breathing right now, it's altering the movement of your organs so that they can find some harmony and rhythm together. As you're breathing, especially with that slow, long out-breath, the nervous system is finding harmony. So just continue to feel the waves of the breath, but more like the breath is breathing you. It's actually the thing that's moving you through time and space. It's also called the force that enables all of your senses. So how can you connect this breath, this inspiration to your tasting, your hearing, your smelling, your feeling? This quiet force, the most powerful force in your body. Your most intimate companion. Taking a deep breath in in this moment connects you to that first breath you took when you were born. Every cycle of breath is like the engine for your lifetime. And it can be your most powerful companion when you will be invited to let go of the body on the wind of the outbreath. So just a few more moments, engage with that exaggerated cycle of breathing with deep appreciation. Really meeting the breath as a being, powerful guide. And then on your next full cycle in, enjoy that floating at the top, and then slow breath out. Inside the bottom of your out breath in the next cycle or two, I want you to just release all effort. And just come back to your natural breathing and notice when you release all effort that the breath recedes into the background. As if saying, aye, aye, Captain, I got you covered. I'm going to do the work of breathing for you. And then I just want you to place your attention back where you started in that quiet movement. In.
almost as if you're just in a hammock or like in a rocking chair and just let yourself be cared for by that rhythmic movement in and out. So really feel this rocking motion that you're resting all of your mind in, all of your emotions, even your body. So feel this resting, rocking posture as sort of the center. And feel space all around. almost like just resting in the center of a wheel. And then I'm just gonna invite you to have a an awareness or curiosity about really connecting in this resting, nourishing, being rocked the way you would in any relationship. And then just kind of notice comforts, discomforts, newness, whatever, whatever arises. Notice the pleasure or difficulty in being cared for, in resting, here in the pulsation of the breath, in and out. original movement. Sets the rhythm of the heart. The movement and flow of the nerves. It's like a conductor of an orchestra. harmonizing the organs, synchronizing mind, emotion, and body 
into right here, right now. And then just take about another minute listening, noticing what you notice about this relationship. And then just know that you can return here anytime. It's like going on a date over and over and over again. Get to learn more and more and more about each other. And so taking a deep breath in now with that awareness that we're gonna be shifting uh, the direction of energy. And on the out-breath, begin the slow opening of the eyes, but do it really, really slowly, where you just start to let a little bit of light in, and just feel how the lids of your eyes takes a muscle, you know, just like it takes a muscle to lift my arms, just opening the eyes, knowing that as soon as the eyes open, you know, consciousness tends to fly out the eye, well, just to try to see if, if as you open the eye, that can kind of be a bridge, just an intention over time. May that inner experience connect more and more with the outer movements of my life. And then shifting your uh, weight, your body in whatever way. Whenever we move the body, it like tells the mind like, oh, something different is happening, you know? So just coming Coming back together. Mindful, we're going to be talking about uh, an experience that, in my experience, is um, beyond words, but the three of us are going <laughs> to attempt to use words to talk about it. But just remembering that we can't really capture it in in words, that's the, that's the powerful thing about these practices. Hello. <laughs> We're still here, I promise. Actually, I was hijacked by my breath. Uh, I'm not gonna be around for the next few years. Yeah, that's the best, awesome. I'm just gonna let the breath do all the work. If we only could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you Therese wow how was that for you that was beautiful one of the things that I was trying to find a word at the end of you know this meditation for like what was this like for me or how did I feel and the word that kept on coming up was earnest or like just very honest or very like down to earth but in a you know in a very connected kind of way and coming from that to, you know, okay, well, now we're going to be the host of a podcast now. You know, it's like jumping over a canyon. It's just so, <laughs> they're so yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Well, this theme actually is perfect for my experience of that practice was just as you said, the parts that felt where I was slipping into what I would describe as a kind of experience of integration or of just like really intimately connected to the breath, appreciating it, feeling like I was letting it, even though I was controlling it to a certain degree, like feeling like I was, I, I could somehow see something of what you were pointing to uh, of that kind of integrating or that synchronizing all the pieces. And yet what I kept noticing also were all the little, just like when you get to know someone, I was also suddenly realizing all the ways in which my mind was kind of like, I was seeing problems, problems with my breath where it wasn't, yeah. oh, this was too shallow here. This was this here. I was seeing imbalances. And then, and then also what I noticed is at the end, after letting go of the controlling, it was kind of hard to let it just be in the background. I could see my mind kind of trying to jump in and control it. And I could see how it was sort of entangled. And and, I, and then I started thinking, oh, gosh, I, I bet a lot of those, quote, problems that I'm seeing in the breath in terms of what, you know, not a, 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 the in-breath isn't full enough or the out-breath is longer and doesn't ever feel depleted or whatever it was, maybe those are because my mind is interfering somehow or or whatever. I'm curious to ask you about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the amazing thing about the breath, especially, you know, in the breath as medicine, we kind of focus on the root capacity where it's out of balance and then how to help a person open up that capacity again. But what you'll see in say looking for problems, you'll see how thoughts directly influence the shortness or length of the breath. So what you get to notice, Jeff, is that when the mind is going into judgment problems, um, critique rather than exploration, like how do you stay on a playground rather than in a right, wrong courtroom or something, you know? So when you notice that about the currents of your own mind, and you'll see it coming up in other ways, those are just habits. The mind is habituated and that affects habituated patterns of your breathing. So it will probably make your breath shorter in general, or if we were together, it will make probably your in-breath a little bit shorter. And it'll show up right away, like a mirror in, in your breath. When you notice the other one about resting, like you had trouble letting the breath take care of you. Like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I notice that for me, it's like, how much can I really receive? How much can I take? You know, um, and it'll show, it'll show up. So I get to see that part of myself and just say, oh, there you are here. Come here, you know because it will it will show up in my breath. Some people have difficulty with their exhale or going to the very bottom of, of the out breath. And it's been so fascinating to work with so many different people because it's like, oh, wow. Because it's most people love out breath. But if you learn to really learn about the in and the out and that out breath is difficult, well, what's what keeps you from... Just letting go in that way. Yeah, what keeps you from uh, totally receiving? So you're saying the breath is basically a kind of diagnostic you know it tells you it's like a fingerprint it tells you a lot about your conditioning your personality where your challenges are you can find it all right there in terms of a close look at the experience of in breath and out breath yep it's a map it, it is it is a direct reflection of the mind and it doesn't lie and that's the beautiful thing like if I lay someone down and they don't know this yet, you know, it's like someone's there naked because they might be coming in 
with languaging around something or like, okay, I'm a case. I teach. I don't have trouble teaching. I'm a public speaker. So people might think that my, my breath should look a certain way. But if you assess my breath, my chest was shallow when I went to go work on healing it. and My belly was really huge. So my breath showed a person who knows how to read breath that, oh, there's kind of a holding back or there's a little bit of a shyness and it's deep, deep inside. And that's absolutely true. You know, I look like an extrovert, but I'm more introverted. And, and so the breath will show that. What are some of the patterns? I'm just curious, like when you do this diagnostic, like for listeners, you, know, you said one shallow chest, big belly. I mean, I'm sure there's many, but what are some of the things you see that, and what does it tell you about the people? Yeah. What I, what I love about healing the root capacity is the breath has recorded, let's say, uh, or the body has recorded every single thing that's ever happened to me. And the first system where it's going to show up is my breath to help me continue. So it will basically create like a compromised breath, you know, so that I can continue on in my life. What I love about it is I don't need to know like what happened to me or what happened to the person. Because if you change the patterns of your breathing, it will alter the patterns of your mind. So if you work with opening up the chest or or the belly or whichever area is constricted, it's this beautiful natural practice where all of a sudden you'll notice like, I'm not reacting the same way I did before, you know? Mm. Usually I hate to it's not this black and white, but usually a chest breather, if it's really deep into the chest and there isn't access to the belly, you know, it can tend to mean the mind is super fast and tends to have capacity of the mind, like a lot of doing, a lot of thinking, probably high energy. And what that reflects, and this is sort of the dangers of short breath or of not having healed that root capacity, because what happens is we lose, you know, the autonomic nervous system between that fight, flight, freeze, and the parasympathetic kind of relaxation response. We are like living out of that fight, flight, freeze. And I need it, but we don't have that autonomic flexibility. And so what happens is all of the systems of the body are affected. So that's why it's kind of over time life-threatening. And that's just physiologically, you know, because the rhythm of the breath, the capacity of the breath controls all the flows in the body, controls the movement of the organs and your heartbeat. You know, how fast do you want these heartbeats to come? So you're saying like a short breath is connected to like heart disease, high rates of heart disease. You know, you're, you're, that's what you mean. You mean like that there are these roll-on effects through the physical oh, God. system. Yeah. Happy hormones, you know, the vagus nerve, you know, so intentional breathing, singing, laughing, <laughs> crying, you know, it helps turn on the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is goes through every single system in the body, but two. That's why it's such a, a powerful key. You're saying that the vagus nerve is part of what gets activated in that parasympathetic yes. response, the rest and relaxation response. Exactly. It helps to reset the body and resource the body. And Yeah. It's also why we feel so great when we laugh our brains off. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's the whole breathing, you know, where that's like a, a hypoxic, hyperventilative breathing. It's like all of a sudden, huh, my face is flushed. And so, so the, the breath has this massive physiological benefits. And then it's also what I love about it is it's logical. I mean, Jeff, you and I have done done some work and uh, together and 
some of the connections between my sick my cyclic nature, my infinite nature is logic. Like it's in my body. It's not some philosophy, you know? And, and so it might start physically and you feel the benefits of it, but it will show up as like a master, master teacher. I mean, a lot of that resonates even just like that kind of dichotomy you laid out right there. For me, like started working with breath, maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago and doing, you know, a lot of pranayama and kind of tuning into where in the body I was breathing a lot and found myself very much to be a chest breather. And also just, I'm the kind of person where my abs are always tight. Like I'm always core flexing and very heady. And through the practice of kind of like discovering the open belly and belly breathing and down into the pelvis kind of breathing can be kind of terrifying because you're getting in touch with so much of that connectedness that you kind of, for whatever survival or like, you know, adaptive survival technique you did when you were young or younger, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't serve you anymore, but it did get you to survive this long, you know? So you kind of have a little bit of gratitude for that pattern, but you're like, okay, we're going to release it and see what this is like and open up like juicy territory that you didn't even know was there. Right. And it has to be on purpose. And this is where it's really, you know, it's the most powerful force in our life and nothing is taught about it. I call it the number one health risk, really, because I could say to you, breathe deep, breathe deep, Tasha, breathe deep. And you will not be able to do it because you're, it's habituated. So the nervous system is habituated, then the impulses are running in these, this circuitry, and the mind, they're connected. So what I love about this, change the pattern of your breathing. Let's just gently work on opening up that, that belly. Need not be traumatic. Let's just go at the pace of nature, you know, uh, and, and then once it opens, then we connect up the top and the bottom and it's like, oh my God, this is what a full breath is. Wow. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that, you know, telling someone, okay, take a deep breath means literally nothing if no one's right. showed you what that's like. I, well, I remember when I first started meditating, I used to find it so frustrating, you know, when people would do guided breath meditation. And for me, it would just be like, this is not relaxing at all. I want to punch somebody in the face because it's just activating the upper body, the <laughs> neck, the jaw. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A very powerful thing I've learned from you, Therese, since we became friends was really, I remember when I first met you, that was really around the time I first got my bipolar diagnosis. And I was really wrestling with it. And I remember having this conversation where you were you know, you really help sort of naturalize this idea of a cycle that we all have this cyclical nature of kind of a, the in-breath and the out-breath, the up energy, the activating going out, and then the down energy, down-regulated, the quiet, quieter, more, quote, depressive if it gets dysfunctional. And But in what you helped me do was, uh, I mean, I had no problem with the, it was later that I started to understand how to work with too much of the up energy but at the time, I was fine with that. But it was like, yeah, 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 go, go. What's the problem with that? Oh, uh, man, what do you mean? What's I don't see any problems with me, man. It's like, yeah, I'm just paving over everything. Um, but it was the downs that was really where the suffering was. And you kind of were like, you know, listen, you have to rethink of these downs yes. as just this natural part of your body. If you actually get rid of your judgment about the down, what's actually happening in the down? What's happening is it's just the body is tired. It's getting, it's like low energy. It's actually, it's getting rest. It's this period of kind of nurturing. And, and it, that helped me change the entire experience of those ups and downs. And um, as you put it, it's sort of like, 
I felt like suddenly this thing that was just going on in me that was quote a pathology or a problem was actually connected just to these much broader cycles of my body, of nature. And if I see it through that prism, it felt much more manageable, much more integrated and healthy and whole in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things with bodies like, yep, yep. what can the mind really say? Right. Because even the word bipolar, I would rather say one is you know, a little over-exercised and one is under-exercised or they haven't found each other. So in and out, you could say, okay, we're all bipolar because I have an in and an out, you know? Um, so the in, in terms of that hyperactivity, think of in-breath, it takes effort. You know, it's that summer and spring. And what do we as a culture insist upon? You know, go, 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 active, active. Summer. Prove yourself, prove yourself, external validation. Yeah, light, light, light. When when if we look at anything in nature or even in our lives, you know, that everything, every single thing is born out of rest or is born out of the dark. Like including when I wake up in the morning, like why bother to sleep? So there's a whole aspect of the cycle that has been denied, vilified at life-giving cost. And we are not practiced in letting go. Most people love the out-breath. You know, they love that. How do you feel? I'll say. And they'll be like, oh, surrender. I feel release. I feel free. I feel peaceful. Like, yeah, how is that letting go of your terror? You know, how about letting go of the anger you have at your boss or or whatever? Like that letting go is not quite as good. So use your out-breath. It has the highest intelligence of letting go. It has the wisdom of everything that's happening in nature right now and it's in my body yeah your line to me was you're not very good at dying (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i think that's probably true yeah right right and well that's the thing is we're we're so i mean that's i'm like let me lead the parade on if we want to save life we have to bring death back to the center because it is the origin of my in-breath is the bottom of my out-breath if we tried, let me, let's take a deep breath in. Okay, take a deep breath in. Now everybody hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay, now you're going to start to feel uncomfortable. It has to have sleep. It has to have that other end. And the same thing with what comes out of the bottom of the out breath. So all meditation, uh, at least this is what my teacher taught me, which I can't believe I've gotten an hour into this thing and not mentioned. A.G. Mohan, thank you. Um, Sasta Yoga, everybody look up, he and his family. Um, but the practice of meditation, it is a death practice. That's, that's, that's what it is. And the breathing, what my teacher said, he goes, it's, it's death, no death. So it's, it's healing a pretty strong consensus reality that we all have in believing in my, I'm a limited being. What happens when we start doing these practices, you're like, whoa, what was that? Yikes, where am I here? Am I there? Where am I? You know, if you do it in an ongoing fashion. And so the practice is the breath holds your bodily life. I was somewhere, now I'm in the womb, now I come out of water and I'm, you know, take that first breath. And then there's the cycles of breath that are companioning me throughout my whole, let's say, 80 years. And then that, how well am I in relationship with that cycle? such that that last breath can help me go. And when Mohan was explaining this to me, he had like tears in his eyes. So pranayama looks like control, 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 control. <laughs> but, but what he said is it's actually to 
control the greatest act of my will is going to be to let go of, of that last breath. So there's not a time when I'm not practicing and I'm like, I wonder how it's going to go. You know, I tease my kids. It'll be a riot if after all this talk, like I'm freaking out, you know? <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it's what Shinzen used to always talk about too. I mean, meditation is the practice of dying in life in a way. Yeah. And what happens when you, I mean, what happens to us when we truly learn to die in life, when we truly learn to accept? What do you guys think? I was having this conversation with a friend of mine because, you know, death meditation in the Tibetan Buddhist practice, which I do, you know, a lot, it, death meditation is one of the first things that you do. And so I, I've always loved it so much and I get so much pushback. You know, people are really averse to the idea of quote unquote practicing death or anything that reminds them that, you know, their time will come. So I was having this conversation with a friend of mine and, um, you know, the question was basically like, why should I focus on death? Like I'm having a good time. I'm trying to build something with, do something with my life and help people. Why do you always want to remind me <laughs> that I'm going to die? You know, and I, and I, my point is very similar to something that you're saying before, which is that, you know, what do we do as a society? We're always like, go, 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 go. And that pathology is, is like so subconsciously linked to this idea that if, if we can just go enough, like maybe we won't have to die. You know, if I, if I have 9,000 projects on, well, I couldn't just die because I have to finish my projects, you know? So this is like this subconscious, like chasing the in-breath, the spring, the summer, the, the, the go, 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 in the hopes that we could just forgo the other half of the cycle and we all become a little bit crazy doing that you know so just only just facing death it's like you can exhale you can yeah totally we don't just become crazy we fucking destroy the planet yeah, oh yeah absolutely i was gonna say what happens is watch watch tv today look at the division the separation and i think we need to experience this just radical separation in order to heal the sanity of it you know so it, 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 it we resist creativity you know we're resisting the law of energy so we never get to come alive in fact the irony is is that i think we're all walking around like corpses when actually i if if, if i made friends with the cycle and i and i and i experience what cannot be described i i you know it's that what we were talking about in the beginning we are way more than a body i'm way more than my success and way more than my pain and you can't touch into that uh and it's right here it sounds all this cosmic stuff but it's so not cosmic it's so light strikes like right here <laughs> but it's not going to sell any big books because <laughs> you can't articulate yeah. it it's not going to be a sexy sound bite that's going to sell you know whatever detergent well but one one thing that you said before actually in the meditation that i loved and i don't know if i've heard anyone else do this is you, you did this really awesome personification of the breath as a guide, you know, as this companion for life, you know, I think, and, and, you know, as meditators, we've all tried a zillion different ways to focus on the breath or do pranayama and they can sometimes make it kind of mechanical. Mechanistic. Yep. Yeah. And the way I, I just remembered that was my favorite part of the meditation was seeing the breath as kind of this, you know, a, this personified kind of not a being, but like, you know, this companion that I have through my life from my very first breath kind of turned it into this enigma. Like suddenly I was like, wow, what, it, you know, the, the depths that are there rather than thinking of it as this, just this machine. And so in there, that that's something, you know, I, I, as you were saying that I was like, this is something that could really, you know, open people's eyes there. That is kind of like a sexy sound, but, you know, like seeing the, 
breathless, like this guide for you, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, that's yeah. a, if that's a doorway in. I love that because the breath is medicine is really about healing your root capacity and your foundation so that you always have a touch point because my breath is going to change all the time, you know, because I'm alive, but I know where to go to see what's really going on inside me because I know the breath really well now. So from, from that root system, then you have all these pranayama practices, you have alternate nostril breathing, you have extending your out breath by double count, you have this the, the hip thing out there in the world now is the hyperventilation, hypoxic Wim Hof stuff, which is really great. But what's missing in, in my view is that root system. Those are techniques for certain in needs of the body. And they're also super yang and they kind of mm, yeah, are very high. So that's why to have a much more resiliency, um, you, you get to have much more of a peripheral view, I'm going to say, of yourself and of life when you meet breath as a as a being. And this is what we're healing. You know, life has become mechanized and we are, we are heartful people that only want to honor the emotions of, you know, happy, 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 go, go, go. You know, when, when all of them serve my awakening, you know, all of it. Now, I love that you said that because it's true. There's so many pranayama is very popular right now and everyone people vouching or, or pushing different techniques. Everyone's trying to jump on the bandwagon, but how can you actually know what you need if you're coming from an imbalanced place? Yes. So this idea that actually the first thing we need to do is just, well, we just let's come into a relationship with this breath. Let's get a sense of where we're in when we're out. And then we can, once we've got that kind of a, more of an understanding of that, then you can apply these tools as needed, but to not do that is just to be reproducing the central wound or delusion of the culture and just in breath form. You know? Thank you. Yes. It sort of seeds in the imbalance. And it's hard to talk about because they have powerful effects. But if you don't know the effects and you don't know your body and you're not living in it, you know, um, then it can be problematic, you know. You can do yourself a mischief. <laughs> right. And then you'll see and then you'll learn, you know, so that that's got its place too. So we may have missed our window on this one, but I was just wondering at the very, at the top, we had talked about this simple diagnostic or whisper thing that yes. you, people could do to kind of get a sense of where they are with their breath. I mean, is that, do you think it's still worth doing a little mini tap into that for a moment before we wrap up? Yeah, we can do that. And then, um, you know, you can use it, include it in your editing process or not, you know? So, <laughs> okay. So the, the, the whisper breath is, um, I call it, kind of the SOS breathing practice, because it is an immediate way to get out of that fight, flight, freeze, and begin to get back in the body and at least travel, you know, towards the, the parasympathetic. So all we're doing is um, if I take a deep breath in and just exhale through my nose, which why don't we try that? So just take a deep breath in and then just exhale through the nose. Okay, do it one more time. And this time I want you to count how long your out breath is through the nose. What'd you get? Eight. Okay, Jeff? Seven. Okay, so now I want you to, it's ujjayi breathing, but I, it's that throat breathing. But if you create the A-H sound, and just this time, just have the mouth open. So take a deep breath in, make it a whisper, 
going all the way down to the very bottom. Okay, now on the next one, take a deep breath in, control it if you can. Pause, float at the top. A-H, whisper, and count your out breath. And I could say to you, so remember that count. Let's do it one last time. Deep breath in. I want you to make the whisper even quieter and count. You may still be exhaling. I'm not sure. <laughs> But what's the, what is the count that you got on your out-breath? 13. 13. How about you, Tasha? 24. Okay. Shit! <laughs> Tasha was talking about She's... Hey, I probably could have gone a little bit more, but I was like, we're recording. I'm not going to. 24. She's a rapper. So, She's got insane lungs. Thank you, thank you for that commercial, because... What you did, there's 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 certain um, uh, anatomical parts of the body where you can go inside your nervous system. You know, you can go inside because you can control respiration and change it. So we didn't do the practice, but you got to see Jeff that you got double the outbreath count on your breath, and the effects of outbreath on the nervous system is we just begin that pathway into parasympathetic. You got triple, Tasha. Triple the output just by closing the larynx, like that. You know, when you let a balloon, you blow it up, and then you let it go. It goes all over the place. And you squeeze that opening. So my question is, you know, do you want an eight-day vacation or do you want a twenty-four-day vacation? <laughs> do you want a seven-day vacation or do you want a fourteen? Because that's exactly what is happening in your nervous system. Now you do that eight times. What you could find, though, is that on the eighth one, you're going to be chasing your in-breath because it's super, super long for maybe you're not used to breathing that long. And then the breath is showing you not so fast, Tasha. Go to 18. Make it an 18 out-breath. Because the thing is, if we don't meet the breath where it is, we are creating fighting in the body. Mm -hmm. So all this, you know, yoga aerobics and and that kind of hypocrisy all the push push if we have to it's like it's like think of your partner think of your child okay wait i gotta calm down i gotta i gotta get here listen meet it where it is what the miracle is is like all of a sudden you've got an extra six count on your out breath and you're you're more there so yes you'd get the vacation but then the next layer of teaching that the breath would show you is are you within comfort do you feel steady always the the litmus test you know so the whisper breath is awesome like if you're in a situation and someone just trips your trigger and you're just like ah or or the car cuts in front of you immediately um and we do it instinctually we tell little johnny take a breath oh just breathe on me but just take a deep breath in and get that get that whisper ah sound and if you're in a heated discussion or something like that you have more flexibility to be able to listen to pause to not speak so it gives you space to respond, you know? I also find, like, I Ujjayi breathing, I do kind of almost all day long. It's so blissful. It just feels yeah. so good. Like, it feels like your insides are smiling. Yeah. <laughs> it, does. It, does. it does. It does. And then especially if you can start to do the Ujjayi, I mean, this is a little 
ahead of the game here on the in-breath. So you do Ujjayi in the in-breath. And that's the other thing is in a minute of breathing, where the body wants to be is six cycles of breath in a minute. Most of us have wow. 12 to 17, which the nervous system registers as hyperventilation breathing. You know, that's a, that's a question actually I've always been meaning to ask you, Therese. Like I've done many meditations where with you and other people where I'll do some deliberate sort of pranayama at the beginning of the practice and, you know, often with a breath retention or something. And I feel phenomenal. And then coming out of that, I can just sit forever. You know, it's like sitting for half an hour and just a state of deep kind of contentment and equanimity. So my question is, is that, you know, are you, when you do that, uh, is it, I guess, is the training of meditation more valuable when you don't have that because you are, you have to find a way to get to it without the breath or <laughs> is using the breath like somehow cheating or is like taking a shortcut <laughs> there? Mean, or... I'm sorry. I'm going to just like really forget that I'm, you know, being here. Like, did you hear what you just asked, Jeff? Of course, I know. That's why I want to get this response. It's like, let's make it harder, people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if it's harder, it must be better for me. I just, I have studied mindfulness. I use it in my practice. I do not feel of all of the tools that it is the most respectful or logical for a person to be with. Sit in the chair. And, and then here, follow your breath. In, in the brilliance of yoga and Qigong, it's coordinating the, the movement of my breathing with the movement of my body. So then I start to feel some rhythm between mind, body, and breath. So yoga is a three-part practice. In the United States, they just do the asanas. You know, it's breath inside movement. Then I've kind of what, my, what Mohan called it. He goes, the technical name for yoga is garbage removal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what, I've, what I'm doing in the asanas is I'm kind of removing gunk, and then I feel a little bit more present. And then the juicy part of yoga is using the breath, the pranayama, the breathing techniques to have a more direct effect on the mind. And then what we skip altogether, the dessert, where you get to marinate, you get to simmer you know, what the world calls meditate, you know, it's like, no, it's like this. Yeah. This is so important for me to hear because I think, I mean, it's so healing in a way to hear it because for me, like the deep training of meditation is the training of learning to be okay with whatever's going on in a sense. It's like yeah. the training of being okay in your reality. And often when I'm meditating and if I meditate first with this breath then I can get to this place of being okay and it's great. But other times I'm sitting and then I've got agitation, I've got these challenges, and I, and, I, and I say to myself from this sort of grim Vipassana endurance philosophy, like, oh, I have to learn to be okay with this. You know, I need to like suck this up. And it's sort of like, what? And <laughs> maybe I've got it backwards. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, agitation, like in Qigong, pain is an expression of qi. So, so there's nothing to get rid of, you know, but if I'm feeling the the agitation while I'm meditating, you know, I want to penetrate it. I want to set a, uh, I want to set a place at the table for it. Um, you know, it belongs. And, and so sometimes I don't even like to use the word yoga or meditation or any of those words anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not so much, Oh, just go shift. Like just know that that is an expression of chi that's longing for your, your attention 
in some way. So that that is what I try to do when I sit, is that I do set a place at the table for it. I say, okay, this is what's here. Can I just have this loving, open, receptive, equanimous relationship with it? And the more I do that, the more I learn ways to work with it. Whereas if I were to start out with a breath regulating practice and then get to that other place on the far side, I wouldn't get the training of being with that discomfort in the same way. So that's sort of my thinking. And I don't know if that's backwards as well. But if the agitation's there, it will show up for you. <laughs> it will be there. Yeah. In in one way or another. I just think it's more kind of logical and natural to meet that mindful movement. Let's link things in so that I have a seat to sit in. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful people. Thank you so much. I love being with you. And um yeah, just we just keep learning, you know. Yeah, thank you so much. This was the exploration of the breath in a way that I haven't done before. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad. I feel so so grateful to uh, both my teacher in India, but teacher of my breath and my body. And and uh, as Jeff knows, it's just like people. It's inside your nose. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally on your face. It's literally there. It's like the famous sage from Aerosmith said, "Up our nose, dude." <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Tyler, yogic wisdom, but he maybe even talking about yeah. something else. That was bad form. Sorry to bring that in. <laughs> Who's to say what he meant? Who's uh, to say? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, awesome, okay. Teresa. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome, Teresa. I love you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next week for a whole new adventure.